body in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome in to another episode of the Just Basketball Show. Happy Monday to everybody out there listening. The stretch run of the NBA continues, and we are back with you for another show. I am Brendan Clean. That is Chris Manning. Wherever you're finding the show, go ahead and hit follow or subscribe. We're everywhere, including YouTube. Give us a five-star review. Give us a nice uh, rating and review. Hit the thumbs up on the video. All that good stuff to support the show. The best way to support is just to go ahead and do all that. Watch every day, listen. And we're on social media, at Just Basketball Fans on TikTok, at Just Basketball Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere that you are, we also are. We have kind of a grab bag today, Chris. We're Mm -hmm. looking at some stretch run trends and whether they're real or not. And... It's always this fascinating point in the season, I think, where injuries start to happen in a, at a bad... It, it starts to go from survivable to really bad timing. You have these runs and streaks that teams go on where you have to try to take the sample size out of it and understand really what it means. And so we're going to go around some news and some recent games and, and do a little bit of that. Um I want to actually, before we get too deep into the basketball nerdiness of today's show, I think you and I both, judging from our letterboxed feeds, have been um, (laughs) spending some time catching up. The Oscars are in mere hours. They will already have happened by the time anyone is watching or listening to this. Um, Are you an absolutist? This is my only question. Are you an absolutist on the Oscars? Are you somebody where if you turn on that broadcast or you see anything coming out of it that you feel like you have to have seen every single movie at least in in best picture in the big categories or do you just kind of pick and choose i have I, yeah i'm a completist because okay i movies are my escape movies are my like stress relief i like there's nothing more like relaxing to me it's like either like i get a workout in or i go to the movie theaters by myself on a saturday afternoon and like i just detox from whatever is going on around me so yeah i have and like there's a couple of these movies that i really love that i've seen a couple times um there's a couple movies that that are gonna probably win some awards that I don't actually like very much. Uh, I, was I gonna, have an embarrassing. I was gonna, well, yeah. What? Tell, if you, if you tell me you like Elvis, I'm gonna fly to Phoenix and be like Brendan. No, like, I we need to see. Talk. I'm not a completist. Was was my answer to my own question. I okay. I don't make myself see every movie. If if there's like something, if I know it's probably going to win, I'll usually just make myself do it. Like. I was the guy, I think I was like 14 years old when the artist won and I made myself watch that movie. So like yeah, I that, will do like it. No one, no one needed to do that. Like no one, no one really, nobody needed to really that. needed to do that. I, it was one of those where we thought it was going to matter more than it did. I think, uh, but no, I did not see Elvis. What I was also going to say is I did not see the avatar sequel and I don't really plan to, and I'm okay it's with good, that. No, it's, so, it's, it, I did not think I would either, but uh, shots to the big picture shots to noted big Knicks fan, Sean fantasy <laughs> shots to Chris Ryan, the God, the 76ers fan himself. Uh, mostly fashion. they convinced like that, you that, is that what you're saying yeah yeah that movie is a marvel that movie is like a technological marvel of james big jim cameron just like absolutely cooking just cooking yeah uh it's okay we'll i don't see. even like i also feel like i missed my one. i missed my window right if i if i haven't seen it in theaters there's extra no reason to it's make definitely that it de- definitely is like a theater thing um uh, Brendan, okay. i was actually gonna pitch i'm okay you, like, missing things 
Yeah, no, look, it happens sometimes. There's like, I miss a lot of TV that people like rave about because I just, I'm like, that, like, I have to skip something and I'm going to skip that probably. Uh, but I was going to ask you, like, if you, it, what is, what it, to be, I'm going to be like a little mean. What is like the Elvis okay. of, what is the Elvis, what, what team is like the Elvis of the NBA this year? Like a little overhyped, a little like people are like kind of losing their minds over something that like, I mean, the answer is the formed. Lakers every year, right? Okay, but this is like, but like they aren't like formulaic and like just kind of like treading along. Like who's like the team that's just kind of like there? The Baz Luhrmann like, element, I think, is is maybe the wrinkle here that makes it a little less yeah. focused on the 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 yeah the the sparkle and more so the kind of well, yeah the I, formulaic nature. I don't know well, what I the have answer like, to that. Do you have I, one? I, I don't. I have. I more like have like an Austin Butler take that he's like the Zach Levine of movie stars. <laughs> huh. He can like, dunk really well, like, and that's it. Is that is he, that what you're he, he, trying the to transformation, do? The transformation is impressive. Like he's very like he's worth watching. He's very famous, like very fun, casual. People are gonna oh love him. Really enjoyed him on Mark Marin. But uh, like if you put him into like After Sun, he would die. And Paul Mescal could do he's the transformation. Young. That's the thing. I mean, but Zach so Levine is a finished product. Yeah, but like so is like Paul Meskel, so is Barry Kehogan. Who well, okay, but you can do that with anybody, right? Like, could Paul yeah, Meskel play Elvis? No, he's gonna. But they he's gonna do win each other's o- roles. He, They're different. He is people. gonna win an Oscar, but he's probably gonna win an an Oscar for best actor. Yeah, he's that. This is probably hey, gonna happen. He was great in, is, He was great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's yeah, done some other like, things. But like, he's gonna get an Oscar for best actor, and that is that's gonna feel that feels insane to me that Colin Farrell is like not gonna have one like. Like the Oscars are dumb and like I care way too much about like what they kind of signify, but I'm just like, what's what's going to what's more uh, this? I already know the answer. I was going to say what's more toxic between MVP and best best actor or best picture, Uh, but no one cares about the Oscars, really. So it's definitely. Yeah, just just uh, like basketball awards for sure. For sure. We're going to we're going to get into MVP later. We do have a, a game over the weekend that kind of added to the to the narrative and the spice around that discussion. We're going to keep tabs on that here as we get through the, the rest of the season. But the big news in the NBA is something very local and central to me, Chris, which is the Kevin Durant experiment here in Phoenix, getting uh, another insane chapter added into it. I was sitting courtside. So what while the big hoopla went down. So I feel like I am uniquely uh, suited to discuss this. He sprains his left ankle by not slipping, which shouts to people who called it that they were wrong. It's not, wasn't a slip. He just fell. The dude just landed wrong. He pivoted to get to the basket for a little sort of layup and floater, get his you know hands and legs warm type of thing early on in his warm-up drill, landed awkwardly. You can see a snapshot of what happened all over the internet at this point. Mm-hmm. He just got hurt. Um, and so he's going to be reevaluated March 30th. I have been watching the Suns play pretty good basketball before he was before he debuted. Before they had even traded for him, they've been on the right track much more than they were during the holidays. So I have a little bit more optimism than I have seen out there in the world about what this might be. What did you think when you saw they were only going to have a month? Now they're only going to have two weeks to integrate this guy into their lineup. I mean, and the, the two week things is a really big deal to me, right? Like it is just really hard to add anybody, even Kevin Durant, who we have talked about a lot as, you know, the guy that is plug and play as a superstar in a lot of ways. It's just really hard 
for anyone to show up and get two weeks and acclimate and get all your tendencies and and like these guys know each other from Team USA. Like these guys have familiarity that does extend like beyond just the fact that like he just got there, right? This isn't like completely new and all of that stuff. And like I would trust Chris Paul to really kind of help make all of this work in a real way. But in terms of just like getting them like gelling enough, particularly if they get a really hard first round series, I think that's tough. And, and Brendan, I say all of that. And if anyone can show up for the playoffs and with a new team and fit, it's KD. It's just going to be really, really hard to do. But is it possible? Yeah. Like, it is that they just figure it out and go on a run. And, like, I, I wouldn't call you crazy if you still have them as co-favorites or, like, 1B to the Nuggets 1A in the West right now. Like, they, they, it's it's Durant in a way, and I and I give him credence in a way I probably wouldn't like most other players that are, would find themselves in this position. I think, to me, uh, the timing of it... Well, let's actually save that for later. I think in the Suns' side of this, it will be unprecedented, yes. I don't think it will be hard. Because I've been uh, just, like, stricken by the, the, the simplicity of what we saw. And, like, I've been telling this story on my show locally about how a good portion of what we have seen them practicing and what they have talked about practicing and just what they've been running in games has been the most dumbed down. And I don't even mean that in terms of an IQ standpoint, but just basic, simple offense because of how simple things can be when he's out there. And so I don't actually think that it's going to be hard because Kevin Durant makes everything easier for people, not harder. There's a lot of people, a lot of players where if you bring them into a thing, you have to figure out how they're going to fit. You have to figure out what role they're going to play. You have to figure out who they're going to have chemistry with. What are the best lineups? All these things. With Kevin Durant, he walks onto the court and everybody's role gets 10%, 20%, 30% easier. They all know that much more what they are supposed to be doing in any given moment. It's not a concern for me. I think the standings, matchups, all that takes a hit if they just can't win as much. But we already saw this in 2021 when Durant led that Nets team when Harden was doing nothing. Kyrie wasn't on the court anymore. And they almost beat the Bucs who went on to win the title with Durant and a bunch of role players who just had to basically space the floor, do their job, and, and let him cook. If he can do it with that team, I don't see why he can't do it with a great scorer and shooter like Booker and all the other pieces that they have. The the matchup stuff, I think, is the complicated part because I, I don't think they're... As much as Memphis is in a weird spot right now, I don't know if they're catching Memphis. Like, there's just not a ton of time left in the season that that's hard to do to, to make Memphis up. Memphis has play. a super easy schedule right now, too. Yeah, and like, well, they have like a like a three and a half game advantage with with not a, with like with like fifteen games to play, something like that for Phoenix. Like, that's not the a team they time. were going to catch was Sacramento, and that's why losing on Saturday night to Sacramento was a much bigger game than I think it got attention because it was at the same time as Bucks Warriors and all this stuff. But that was really the big one. If they won that, yeah. you could have convinced me they get into the two or three. Now it's a lot harder. Right. And then you're looking at who you're going to get in the four or five. The two likely teams right now are the Clippers and the Warriors. The, the, it'd, be the, it'd be the season ended right now. It's the Warriors the, or the Clippers, excuse me. It's a game, but yeah. the Warriors are half game back. Either one of those series is just going to be like an absolute dogfight for you in round one. It just is. And like, I, I would, 
If I were if I were them, I think as wild as this is going to sound, I almost would kind of rather see Golden State based on like how Golden State's road stuff has looked and just some of the, the, the matchup advantages you would have with Durant in that series, I think, particularly if like Wiggins isn't coming back and never ramps up in that same way. Like that might be the series I and I and I think like this version of Clay defensively isn't like a guy you can just have on Booker for an entire series and just trust like that's that's totally going to be fine. Like that's not exactly what Clay has morphed into. He's still awesome, but it's it's different. The Clippers like are I have been like really great in terms of like we'll talk about them a little hit on them and what they did against the Knicks, but like Kawhi looks amazing and like that's really just like great. A, I mean, like like, like I don't know about crap. really great, better Kawhi, than expected maybe. Ka- like I'm, we're getting close to feeling like Kawhi's back, and like that in itself. Kawhi is has like, been great. Yes, yes. Yeah. And like I don't know what the rest of that team is, but like if Kawhi is like that, and the rest of it figures itself out, and Lord knows what happens with Russ and everything, like that that's going to be a really really hard matchup. So like they're just just based on, and some of this isn't like all Durant, right? Like they had the Booker injury. Like they've had stuff this season that has kind of kept them from maybe winning as many regular season games as you might have wanted or or expected if you're them. But they're gonna get a hard first round series, and like I that, like it, it, if you could get Durant at least for like two weeks before the playoffs, I would feel better about that. But like that to me is where all the anxiety would come from. It's that like oh, we might get the Clippers in round one, and that's gonna be really hard. We might get the Warriors in round one, and that's just gonna be hard. And like that, you would much rather get like the Timberwolves or the Mavericks or the Lakers or one of these teams that the teams above you're gonna get. And that but that that also is life as the four seed. I'm not even sure, and we'll we'll get to the Mavs here in a second. Uh, actually, I think it might be a good way to combine these two things, Chris, is to talk about yeah. both, because Luca is also out right now. He came out over the weekend that he's going to finally sit with this left quad injury. Uh, clean MRI, no, nothing serious, but even back to last weekend on, on Sunday when these two teams played each other, I felt like Luca wasn't even going to finish that game. Then he goes out and he plays like two more before they finally realize, hey, the pain level is just too much. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the opposite with him where it's not to say that I don't think he makes teams better. Of course he does. But I don't think he necessarily slides in nearly as easily. I think you're going to see a Mavs team where the ball is going to move more. You saw last night, even when they played, they were already, you know, Josh Green was was bringing the ball up. Kyrie didn't play in that game either, but Josh Green was handling the ball. Jaden Hardy's handling the ball. And then when it comes, when Luca comes back, it's a dramatic change. And it's not going to be as long of an absence either. But I think that that part is very different. But I also think that at the end of the day, a lot of these injuries we're seeing, as long as they're not serious, we felt the same way about Golden State. The West is just sort of like this. It's been like this for years because Kawhi is in this conference, because Curry is in this conference, because there have been trades and young teams that are kind of pushing forward and the Nuggets had all their injuries. And so I think if as long as you're telling me most of these guys are 100% as, as, as game one of the playoffs comes around... I don't think there's really like an easy matchup to be found unless you were to get all the way to number one, which no one's going to Denver is going to get to play the Timberwolves or something. Right. But like, you know, if you're playing Dallas, I don't think that's like, Oh, phew, we're, we're in the clear here. And so I think it would have been nice for the Suns to get into the two or three more for not having to play Denver in the, in the second round. That's why I think it's a big deal. Yeah. But, well, but they I think also this West up, is going to be a, well a bloodbath no matter what. Like, but like you also convinced me like they match up really well with Denver. And as much as like you'd probably rather just like get the Kings or something in round two, no disrespect to the Kings. So I, I just who I adore and we're going to talk about is our main thing today. Like 
if you told me one of these teams that like has mid 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 range and Jokic attacking potential written all over it, it is Phoenix. Like it just it just is. KD plus Booker plus CP three is like catnip for putting Jokic on his heels and and challenging him in in somewhere in the middle of the floor as like a, as a pick and roll and pick and pop defender. Like it just is. Like if he's dropping. Like you're gonna attack that, and if you're Phoenix, like that's your game plan, and like that's that's gonna be their game plan in the playoffs anyway, because that's like the that's the roster they've built. This is the yeah. mid range connoisseurs like favorite team, but like that that's where that goes to me. That to me would be yeah. sort of. A job. I think I, I you're think... right that all of these teams are good though. Like all these teams are gonna except for yeah. even the Wolves. Like credit to the Wolves. Like they they they're four to their last four to four to their last ten isn't great, but like they make more sense with Conley. They just do, and like. It's Ant, and like if Ant had like a crazy game and made your life hard in the playoffs, would I be surprised? Probably not. Well, we'll finish with Dallas in a second, but to 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 get back to Phoenix, I think they do match up well against Denver overall. I mean, better against Denver than most teams, right? I guess would be probably the way to put it because you still have to stop Denver on the other end. I don't think the Suns are going to hold the Nuggets to some sort of quiet, small little offensive performance. So it will be a high-scoring, incredible series. I think going six or seven, no matter what. I think getting uh, getting them later is just always going to be better. But I would say they probably won't drop Jokic would just be one thing to, to point out there. They did it in the last series that they played because they just didn't have a better option. But we we look at what the Suns are, and I think that some of this stuff is where you maybe get into what they will lose of having Duran is what about in a series where they try to pick at things that aren't as Durant-centric. Not to say the Nuggets have a great player to guard Durant. Maybe it is just that simple. But I look at how Jokic likes to defend, and he likes to be at the level. That's where I think he's best, is yes, when he can actually yes. step up, wag his hands. like he, he does it like a drill, which is kind of funny to watch. Like He'll do the little swipe at the ball handler and then backpedal. Like it looks like he's repping it in, a, in an empty gym, but it's what he looks most comfortable doing. And that we saw to come back to the Kings and and I guess they're going to just come up throughout the conversation today. That's what we've seen the Suns do to the Kings is really go at because Sabonis guards the same way in the pick and roll and get that easy, quick drop pass to Ayton. And what the Kings and Nuggets have in common is, yes, their center is best put in that situation. They don't have the size on the backside or, you know, whatever the case may be to protect the rim when their center is stepped up. And I think that's one of the things that both of those rosters do as a little bit of a disservice to their center. And something that makes Aiton so valuable in those matchups is he can catch the ball. He's gotten a lot better putting it on the ground, one or two dribbles, and then going to the basket. And if he can catch it above the free throw line and still get all the way there or make a quick pass, that's what really starts to punish them. But I think we're getting into, like I said now, something where does Durant, not being there, make it so that when they have to pivot and really like within a game, the five guys on the court just have to come together and say, what is the thing we're going to go at? Who's in foul trouble? What is the weak link in the defense right now? What is the moment call for? And it's not as simple as just Durant and, and play off of that. Maybe it always is. He's good enough where that could just be all it needs for them. But I think that's where you start to, to wonder. I think that's right. I, I have... I have nothing else really to to add to that other than I'm like I have I have the nuggets I'm I have the nuggets on on a second screen right now and uh, Jokic <laughs> was doing exactly what you said, which yeah. is come up to the level and uh, Bruce Brown poked the ball away from your guy Mikael Bridges and I was like oh okay Bruce Brown's pretty good. Let's go to Dallas then uh, to to just round out with them. So they're three and seven in their last ten games. I believe they're three and seven over the course of the whole season. 
without Luca. So mm-hmm. whether you're talking about recent or long term, it's not been pretty for them. Um, my big question on a on a bigger scale than just the injury, which I think we agree they're they're not really going to have a chance to like get past get into the six seed or do any of the stuff we maybe thought when Kyrie got there. Has, wh- why do we? Why did we stop talking about Luca's conditioning? And I, I, I'm not a I'm not a doctor to link. Okay, well, the reason he's having the quad soreness is because he's five pounds overweight, and this like I don't know the mechanics of it. But when I look at his missed games and how young he is, that doesn't really line up in the way you would like it to, especially when they continue to put so much on him, and it just feels like the trends are going the wrong direction. He's getting more placed onto him, but he's getting worse conditioned. And the injuries continue to pile up for him every year. Just little stuff here and there. But he, if you look at it, like I I covered this guy when he was about to get drafted because I wanted the Suns to take him number one when they took Ayton. Oh, did they, did, like, they, did they did they pass out Luke? Did the Phoenix Suns not did. take Luka Doncic, Brendan? Does this Yeah, a they thing did. And then is... and then I don't know if you heard, but uh four years later he beat them in the playoffs. Did Look, you know about he, that part of it? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm mildly I'm mildly aware. I'm mildly aware. Yeah. Best season in franchise history, and then the guy they didn't draft beat them. That that part happened too. But anyway, I I don't want to make it too big of a conversation, but it felt like it was such a narrative, and then we just forgot about it, and yet here it is late in the season, and he's hurt. Because it's because he showed up from Eurobasket and looked like in really good shape at the start of the season for once. Like that I mean, that was the he? whole thing. Like just look at him but season like, by, by, by season. Like watch highlights, he's how, he's how and the, he's gains weight every year. Yeah, I don't. Here, here is what this is like the thing with him that I think if he if he like takes it like we don't fully know everything like it, it is we're in an era where like some of this stuff is like maybe harder to report out than than it ever has been on stars. But if you just look at like what we can kind of say publicly and like from what we can glean, like part of like the way LeBron played when he was like in his first era in Cleveland was like that was kind of buoyed by the fact that he was like ultra durable and like the work ethic was crazy and like he invested a lot of time and a lot of money and all the stuff into his body and he holds up part of the reason like a lot of these guys ultimately hold up in the way they do is because like their bodies are just in tip tip top shape like i think tatum has like i think tatum holds up in, in a lot of ways because he's just gotten in better shape be honest over time i know he misses some time here and there but like that guy has like really put a lot of work into his body and making sure that he is like going to be physically right and, and capable of of going through the playoffs like that just hasn't happened with Luca yet. And like, I think particularly if he wants to play, like they would, he'll be better off eventually. I think ultimately, like if he, if he gives up like 5% of control, like he just will like that. Like it's really hard to just win with this. And like Kyrie is kind of a step towards that. I think in an interesting way, if you rounded out the rest of the roster, that's certainly, I think a way to do it, but it's just like the hell, like, is he like, if this quad thing is like just going to be a nagging thing or like, is a sign that like, Hey, like his body's maybe not going to hold up over the course of three rounds or two rounds four rounds, whatever, however long they last, like is that's like a dent in like their ability to win a championship. And like, they need Luca just to like hold up that whole time. Like they just do. They need him not to have any issues, any problems, you know? And I, I, Brendan, tell me this is fair. I just don't trust this team broadly in the same way I would in terms of Phoenix, in terms of figuring some of this out on the fly. And, and winning games and just kind of playing in the way that you kind of would need to to kind of bet on your star talent and make a playoff run. I just don't trust it in the There's same just way not I, I do with Phoenix. Right, and I think, like, that's been a problem the whole Luka time, and he has paper macheed like, his way over some of those holes. He has, like, slapped, like, a poster up over, like, some of the cracks in the foundation. 
and like Kyrie, Kyrie in some ways like is another like slap over some of the cracks of foundation to me, and it's just it puts you in yeah. a tough spot. I think. I think what the what the Kyrie move does to me is it it fast forwards past a lot of the ability to explain away problems. It's it 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 sort of makes the the pressure higher because there was always that ability to say, well, they don't have that other piece, right? And a lot could just be traced back to that, chalked up to that, and you 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 feel decent about your season because that is the underlying fact about your team is well, it's it's Luca and he just doesn't have enough help. Well, I think now the at least from a front office standpoint, if I'm the Mavs, I feel like, well, offensively he does have that help, right? And so then you start to get a little bit more serious about the other parts coach scheme role players why does he why does he never use the role man in the way that he used to when he was a prospect or early on in his career he doesn't like playing with JaVale McGee from all indications out of Dallas why I mean JaVale McGee's not a perfect player Dwight Powell's a little too small to do that They're, but well, like, like he's their, why their is big... it that he has changed so much right and what? Yeah, JaVale was their big offseason like free agency move, and it's just like I bad can't play contract, him. bad contract, right? But like a player who theoretically should fit with Luca. If you look at any of the way he yeah. was playing when he was a prospect, that type of guy was fundamental to anything he was doing. He's gonna bait you, he's gonna to fake you out, and he's always gonna have the threat of the lob there. And that opened up so much. Now he just puts his ass into you, and that's the the whole thing. Right. And like you said, there's no precedent for a guy winning who does this much. Like you think that Harden or Russ or LeBron had high usage plus assist rates. Go look at Lucas. It's like eons past what those guys were percentage wise. Like there just is no precedent in the history of the NBA for somebody winning at the highest level, doing as much as Luca either has to chooses to. We don't really know. Uh, but it's fascinating, and I, I think all those confluence of things, I think it's not a surprise that it ends up in he gets injured. Little things here and there all the time. I think you're right, and it's like Kyrie has history of like some, some tic-tac injuries as well. Like That is in addition to other stuff. So like the JaVale thing remains very weird to me, and I, I, I don't totally... I do not totally uh, understand like what like how you'd go that route without sort of and just get here and then also if you're jason kidd why and maybe jason kidd also just like isn't like a fan for whatever reason but like i think i think that's a lot of what it is i think but, it, kidd, but it's like kid doesn't like, like him luca doesn't seem to and so did, where why is he gonna play you know did like did nico harrison in that front office like not commute like did, did jason kidd be like yeah i like this guy and then you or like the what how did that happen yeah I don't How know. How did that happen? I don't know. I feel great for JaVale. The dude is an elite bag getter. No one thought there was even going to be more than a minimum out there for him. He's like, okay, I see that, and I raise you a $7 million annual contract from a team in my mid-30s that kind of didn't need me. So how about that, yeah. NBA? My agent is a, a wizard. I bet you thought I wasn't going to get paid. <laughs> uh, let's go on to the Warriors, though, Chris. Okay. Um, who recently got their superstar back, Steph Curry. They played in the, the Saturday night game, which a lot of people turned into a, another debate about ratings because Giannis didn't play and it's on ABC and we have to do that every time teams play now. But the te- the game ended up being awesome anyway, which the Bucks tend to do. They play great even without Giannis and went into overtime. But uh, I just think this was 
uh, a peak reminder of what Curry still is. His past three seasons have been decimated by injuries. He missed an entire one, and the past two he's missed large chunks of. But when he is out there, he is, to me, still a top three player in the NBA. Performances like this from Curry are why I can't quit this team. Just like Curry was like kind of quiet the first like quarter and a half. And then he just kind of is continually going off and off and off like off. And like what happened when this game and we should no no Giannis in this game certainly like I think puts a little bit of a changes like the, the level of win for the Warriors. But like the end of the game. They're down eight with two minutes to go. It is a Steph three. It is a stop. It is another Steph three. It is in a steal, and then Steph scores on the on the outbreak when they get him the ball. It just Steph just kind of takes over those last like two minutes to get this game in overtime, and they ultimately win. He he remains unguardable, Brendan. He remains like a guy that like no one really has an answer for, and you wonder a little bit about this team, like how why they can't like show up for four quarters all the time. Like, you know, I, I don't think Jordan Poole has been very good. I do not think he was very good in this game, aside from like a couple of nice buckets. Like the road stuff is like a real concern, but like re- Steph does this. And I'm just like, I, you can see the vision. Like, you, like you yeah. just can because of how good Steph well, is. Yeah. The vision is having one of the best players in the NBA on your team. Right. I mean, he had 20 points in the final two minutes in overtime, yeah. which is insane. That's seven minutes, if anyone is counting. Uh, seven minutes of game time, 20 points. Plus, he had the, you said the the stop. I, I want to emphasize, it was his stop. He got yes. the block on Holiday. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's the one you were talking about, but that's, yep. he, he made the play, right? And so, like, I think the two things that since that 2019 championship that he's been able to do that, to just take him up to a level where I really just don't have any doubts about him anymore. It's not that, I mean, he had three titles before that, uh, but is the finishing package, the strength to finish through contact around the basket that he added to the touch that he always had and the defensive intensity. I think a lot of it is being able to add strength to his frame late in his career without jeopardizing any of the other parts of his game, that's pretty impressive and does not happen all the time. Like not all players find ways to keep changing, not only their style, but their physical makeup to be better athletes as they age. That's crazy. Um, And, and it just makes him that much more versatile and that much more able to put a team on his back. Now that he does not have Durant, now that he's playing with a, suboptimal version of clay athletically. And honestly, this roster is just worse than it was even last year. So if they have Steph doing those things, I don't think you can count them out at all. No. And it's like, you need to have everything else. I think kind of click correctly. Like you don't know what you're going to get from Gary Payne. The second when he comes back, I I don't really understand. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Andrew Wiggins. Like when he's going to come back, he wasn't as good this year anyway. And like that, that's a really, really big deal. You know, we, you, we keep hitting on this over and over and over again, but they never really replaced Otto Porter Jr. They just haven't. And like, Kuminga, I, I love a lot of the growth Kuminga has shown. I think he's he's like a really, really interesting guy, but like, is he fully ready for all of that right now? And in, in whatever this version of the words is, it's, we're going to find out, I think. But and like, he's not it, as good of a shooter, even if he is ready. He's just a different player, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a different player. And, like, even if the frame and stuff is there, like, that, that's a huge point. I do think, like, the, I, I think we should just shout out that Dante Vincenzo has been, like, an awesome, awesome pickup for them. I've loved yeah. all the work he's done this year. He's fit in really seamlessly. 
he's going to dec- like they I whatever he wants in the summer like within reason like you probably just got to give it to him to kind of if if this band sticks together like he depending on what happens with this team and where this team goes he's got a player option for like four point something million I can't imagine like he should pick that up like he probably should like go hit the open market again and go see if he can get a little bit of a raise based on what he's done this year he's had a really nice year he made the the, the possession before Steph kind of kicks off his eight points in a row he hit a big three he stepped up took this big three and the, the you know the, the the Bucks scored on the other end on like a Drew Holiday, just like absolute heater. But like he stepped up and did some really impressive stuff. And he's just like a good, solid player that has been really good for them. And they really need, even if he's not exactly like the prototype forward you probably want for them, but he's been awesome for them. And like they like 40% from three and 9.4 attempts per game. He's he fit in seamlessly for them this entire year. His career has been kind of chaotic, so I, I don't know. Maybe he does see value in just come back for one more season. He knows he's going to play. He knows he's going to have a role and try to win again. You know, I, I, I could see that being valuable. Who knows what the rest of their roster will look like? They have a lot of big questions with Poole and Draymond and uh, Kaminga and Moody, but maybe DiVincenzo does just Bob, come Bob back Myers. And, and take the money. Yeah, Bob Myers at the very top of it all. Um Okay, let's go to the Clippers who beat the Knicks 106-95, to a game that I caught up on this morning before we recorded. Then Same. let's come back and go real or not real on all four of these Western Conference teams, okay? Mm-hmm. So I think my takeaway from the Clippers thing, the Clippers game is that the same thing as you. And it's that Kawhi is, is doing this routinely. It, what's crazy is it wasn't even really a big takeaway from this game. It was just like, oh yeah, that again. He's been that good. Um, he was getting, him and Julius Randle were picking on each other was kind of a fun little subplot of this game where they both kind of wanted to switch yeah. onto, their, onto either guy and they both were getting decent looks. Randle did not make near uh, basically any of his and Kawhi made almost all of his. And in a lot of ways, that was the game. Uh, but the Clippers being able to beat a physical, cohesive Knicks team that's been playing really good basketball, I do think is a pretty big win for them. Yeah, and like the, the numbers, I think, paint a, a really compelling story about what like a, the best version of the of the Clippers can be. It's elite defense plus shot making, and, and you win. They're 57.1% on mid-range shots in this game. That is absurd. Kawhi hits a ton of tough ones, as he's wont to do. Like there's one where he, I think it was Randall defending him, and he got like stopped, and he just like, he just like kind of probed just enough to get off like the quick little flingy kind of mid-range thing he does. And it goes in and that feels very Clippers unblockable. Uh, just, yeah. Like, and he, like, I don't want to deal with that guy in a series. <laughs> like he, uh, no, he's, he's also one of those guys that I like love seeing how he handles switches. Cause he's just like, not as the, the way he handles switches is so different than so many other guys were like, they like probe and maybe take the step back three or like, have a clear plan of attack. He he just like doesn't change his like m- flow when he gets on switches against bigs or someone different is guarding him. He just kind of does yeah, exactly mean, what he's going to do anyway. The efficiency of t- like point per touch, it you know at the superstar level, he's got to be near the very top, right? I mean yes. it's it's not quite like peak clay, but it it really is up there in a way we don't think about or even like drib point per dribble or whatever way you want to put it yeah. like he even even as a mid-range guy he does not take his time and waste energy he just gets to where he wants to go and most of the time it's going to result in a made a made bucket 
Well, and like comparing to like KD, where like KD is like the sort of like quick trigger, like flowy kind of like seven foot monster. Kawhi is like a surgical, like very strong, little smaller frame guy, and it's like just as unguardable in some versions of it. Like I would take KD because of the size and just and everything, but like Kawhi is like kind of unstoppable in these moments. It's a reason that like he just kind of has a, a record full of big shots. Clippers in this game, Brandon, ninety eight point eight offensive rating in the half court versus eighty two point one for the Knicks. Yeah. Like for people that maybe like don't follow like the offensive rating stuff in this way, if you have an offensive rating like around 100 in the half court, you're doing really, really well for yourself. Your off- offensive ratings are like, like league average here is like, I think like 114 somewhere around there. That's a lot. That's a lot of pushed up by getting out of transition off of live rebounds, like really pushing and making things, getting easy buckets for yourself. When you can operate like that in the half court and you're getting like close to like a point per possession or like around point per possession, that is a really good indicator that like your offense can just like hum along and, and make do in the playoffs when things get really tricky. If the Clippers can like put together this kind of performance in the playoffs, like they're just going to like they're, they're suited for this. This is like the whole concept of like what they've been since they got Kawhi and Paul George. It's like they're going to be really, really functional in the half court with a really good defense. And it's and it's going to work. And this wasn't even like an A plus performance, I think, for them. This is just like a pretty good performance. And Kawhi was spectacular. But this is this is the template. This is the template to me of like they do they win games like this. They kind of dominate more late. They're really competitive and they kill a bunch of mid range shots. And and their shot making and their trust in their shot making is is a really big difference. Yeah, a couple last things. I think Randall getting into foul trouble was out of rhythm in this game, and so. Without Brunson playing, which he's been out for a few games, if if Randall's not able to get it going like quickly, had some points and and different guys made some shots, but you know this is still a Knicks team that doesn't exactly have six different options to create offense for it, and so I think this was a a learning lesson about what New York can look like. Not if obviously Brunson doesn't play, you're going to be worse, but okay, what happens when one of these guys is hampered? What happens when one of them is in foul trouble? Whatever the case may be. And then uh, from a Clippers standpoint, I do think it's worth noting because it's been a through line as we've talked about this team, Chris, is uh, this was one game where Russ finally saw a little bit of a lower minutes total. He only mm-hmm. played 23. He turned the he had some ugly turnovers in the first half. I think all three of his turno- turnovers were in the first half. And we saw Eric Gordon play a lot in the second half was very good. I thought his decision making was awesome. Um, got to the basket against quickly, got some open threes just with movement. And I think he's a better player than Russell Westbrook, without a doubt at this point. Um, I hope this is a little bit of a trend in the right direction. Not that I think Westbrook needs to play low minutes every single night, but at least a game where we can look at it and say, okay, Lou adjusted, right? It was a game where it wasn't working. They do something different in the second half and they get a pretty big win out of it. Yeah, if they this is like one of the big things to them, but we've talked about a bunch. It's and it's not just Russ. It is like does Ty figure out a rotation and in a structure of, of who he wants to play that really works? This was a version of that. This absolutely was a version of that. Um, he said, "Did you side, hear him say yeah, that he's like Robert Covington's just not going to play much the rest of the regular season?" I still don't understand yeah. that, but I don't either. There's so like a lot of there are, are a lot does. of there are lots of other teams in the playoffs that would have liked Robert Covington hit the buyout market. I feel pretty confident about that. They would have loved to take a flyer on Robert Covington and give him ten minutes just to see if there's if there's something to, to play there. I think he would have maybe uh, enjoyed that. Is he a free agent? Could they have bought bought him out? Um, I don't know what his. He has some money next year, so would have been a well, trade. But still, if you're not going to play yeah. him, I don't know why they wouldn't have looked at that either. Yeah, true. Um, 
Also, and to pull us back to the Oscars, Jonathan Major sitting in the same row as Steve Ballmer is like very funny to me. I'm just oh, imagining yeah, what Lee, I, the yeah, I'm just imagining, what were they talking yeah, about? Yeah. I'm I'm imagining like there's this really uh, I have one of my like there's these really interesting not always interesting sometimes they're crap but like GQ does these like ten essentials videos mm-hmm. and Jonathan Majors did one and he talked about like a cup that he got and he's like I and it's like he's like my cup is like I made it he's like I made it he's like, I think he made it but it was like an imperfect cup and he's like I love how like it tells a story and like how it's like imperfect and I'm like Jonathan you king. But I'm also like imagining him and Steve Ballmer having a conversation and just like wondering what that's like. Like lots of questions. Jonathan Majors is Kawhi, sneakily. Would, Kawhi, what Steve, do, Kawhi, Jonathan Majors, and, and Steve Ballmer go to dinner. What's that like? Like would like to know. I want to know what Kawhi talks about to anybody, frankly. Um, <laughs> Has just really, I, really like really big takes on the Silicon Valley bank situation. Just like been deep in Finn Twitter. Just whatever's going on in San Diego at the time, I think. I think that Bill loves Walton Machado extension. Have. Loves the Machado yes. extension. Yeah. See, that's something Kawhi and I have in common. Uh, so I know what we would talk about. I was going to ask, though, I, the proximity to Steve Ballmer puts you in a tricky situation because, like, at SeaWorld, there's, like, the splash zone, Chris. With Ballmer, there's the the rub zone where you're liable to to get... <laughs> Patted down or worse by the owner yeah. of the Clippers and the former founder of Microsoft. That's that's dangerous. Spike was playing it a little a little close there uh, with the, with that that next door seat. Yeah, I, it's not for that's not for me. Uh, just the last you thing don't on have this any game. comments about the rubbing. I, I'm good. I just I, I'm not a give me a random like if someone gives me a random rub in public. I don't care which you are. I'm gonna like probably walk away and like just like ask you not to like touch me anymore. It just weirds me out in, in a very. Fair. You've never rubbed anybody when your team did something good in sports? Maybe like my dad, you know, like someone I know, not like someone I know, like in an intimate level, you know, Fair. not like the mega bajillionaire. I, I will say the other thing I think coming out of this weekend, we'll see if this shifts. Does Am I wrong in thinking three, four, five in the East feels pretty locked in right now in, in, in order? Knicks, Cavs. Eric, so we 76ers, Cavs, Knicks. I think I think we're getting oh, enough separation. Okay, but yeah. you're forgetting terms, the Nets are the Nets are at five right now. So you're saying it's locked oh, did in. They but really? The Nets oh, are. I, didn't even, I mean, okay, I didn't even I didn't even see that. Yeah, that's just that's just been research on my part. The Knicks are on a losing streak, and so yeah, the 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 Nets are kind of hanging in there. They're basically neck and neck with New York. So that okay, race I, I is stand, interesting. I, I think the Knicks are the better team, but if Brunson remains out and they can't win enough, yeah. it could go down to the last week. Yeah, and look, I I will say uh, that's just bad research on my part, but I I think okay, I'll amend my take and say I think three and four feel pretty locked in. Cavs sure. have like a very Cavs have a paper easy schedule the rest of the way, and the Seventy Sixers have a very hard schedule, and the Knicks if it's the Knicks they had like the twenty second easiest or like the eighth easiest schedule the rest of the way I think last time I looked. So you know they get through this West Coast road trip, Brunson comes back, they're probably in good shape, but. Three and four at the very least feel kind of like locked into me, unless like Philly makes like a push for Boston in a way that like I don't, I don't, I mean, they're only two games back of Boston, notable. Yeah, I think the Knicks will be pretty disappointed if they can't get to five. So I would imagine I, uh, Tibbs, I would Tibbs be will go from 38 minutes a game for his guys and to, to 42 if it's necessary. They'll get, I, I personally would be disappointed because the fun playoff series for me to get to cover in person is Cavs Knicks. You don't want to. You don't want to see Mikhail go for thirty a night in the in the first I, round. I would just. I would just be texting your videos of Mikhail like pregame and being like, "Hey, Brendan, this is like this is here's Mikhail," and then like just whatever he's doing. I would just be sending you videos. That's all. Yeah, I would just be doing. A, a vlog, a personal vlog for me. 
Yeah. All right. Let's circle back and go real or fake on uh, on all of these. So uh, the the Suns as a unorthodox, unprecedented championship contender with the new Durant news and the lack of time that they will have. Is that still real to you or is it less real now that Durant is hobbled and out? Since we're being real or not real, I'm going to go real. No hedging. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think we'll, if there's a setback, if they look bad when he's back, we'll reevaluate, but they look so good when he was out there and all the reasons we talked about. There's not a, a ton of reason to doubt them outside of it would be an insane thing to have happen in the NBA, but that's uh, that's not enough for me. Uh, Warriors, the, uh, championship contender, this level with Curry back and some of these other side things clicking for them, real or not real? I'm going to go not real just because I don't trust them as much as I do some of these other teams. And I some of these other pieces, as much as I like can't quit them, I don't totally think it's real. Okay. I think it is real. I will remain on that. I think I drafted them in our contender draft and I will I will stay on it. I just think in as much as there has been some questions for them, so many of these teams as we went through in this show have these chemistry and injury concerns and I know that the five guys who will take the floor for them will have that. And that's uh that's not something you can say for many of these other teams. Clippers. Um I don't even know what the ceiling I'm asking you about for them is. I guess I will say championship contender. I mean, though. it is, has. Is to, that real or not real? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's real. Hmm. If Kawhi's playing like this, it's real. I I, I think the the talent and the uh, they also have a decent amount of chemistry. Even if we think of them as you know a laughing stock of the load management era, it's like okay, they still have been together for four seasons, Mo- and not just Kawhi and PG, but like. Marcus Morris has been there. Even Terrence Mann has been there for a little while. Sure. Zubats has been there, right? So like, and and Lou for as an assistant or a head coach, I think this is year three or four for him. So they have they have a little bit of that to fall back on. It's just some of these question marks with Morris and Westbrook and you know whatever uh, injuries and everything else. But I, I think it's real too. Dallas, uh, not real. Can they win a Can they win a first round series? Yes, I'll put but, it there. Like, Yes, but like, who are they? Like, if they end up, like, would you? Okay, so like, season ends today. They're playing. They're probably going to win the play, and they're getting the Kings. Are you taking the Kings or the Mavs? I think I'm taking the Kings. Yeah, I guess better question will be: Will they win a first round series? I don't think they would be favored over anybody. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no, but that's just because I'm I'm feeling kind of down on them, and I just I'm. I guess if they got Memphis, I would say like I would probably I might pick them against Memphis, but like because I just don't know what's going on there. But I would not pick them against the Kings. I'll answer it that way. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Um, quickly on Joel Embiid. Beats the Blazers with a, a killer late game shot. I, I think he had 40 or so points in that game. Chris was mm-hmm. once again, fantastic. Um. You seem to feel like this type of moment is what's going to clinch the MVP, and I think not. No, as no, we talked no, about no, with Adam, no, no, that no, could no, be true. I'm giving you credit. I was making it no. a positive, but take your okay. take the stage here. Tell me what. You okay, think. okay. I don't think this clinches it. This MVP race is too. Not this, this MVP moment, race, but moments like close. this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying this specific moment. And I was about no, to be like, Brendan, no. relax. We have like too much. 
There's but like these types of games clutch things so can swing it, right? I think that's fair to say. Yes. The game winner he hits over the Blazers is truly what MVPs are made of, is the line that I wrote in, in the document. Uh, this is just classic MB2. He catches the ball by the free throw line, like near the three-point line, I think. Catch it, ends up, ends up like two, two, one or two dribbles in, hits a clean fadeaway that Yusuf Nurkic had no shot of contesting. Mm-hmm. Like, and this was a game where they were down a bunch. This is a, a game where, like, they kind of just, like, pulled it out, and, like, the energy around this team just feels different than other past Sixers teams. Um, Jokic is playing really well as we're recording this, so, like, maybe this part of this is, like, a little unfair as well. But, like, it feels like it's the part nuts. of it is, like, yeah. But, like, Jokic doesn't, like, totally, like, want to just, like... I know there's that clip that's gone around and, and stuff as well that's, like, pointed at how he, like, doesn't really even want it, but, like, it kind of sometimes feels like Jokic doesn't really want like or care that much about MVP. I know Adam Mara's talked about this when he was on with us as well. Shouts to Adam. But like like Jokic or excuse me, Embiid is gonna do stuff like this in big games the rest of the year. Especially if they get like the two seed. Like there's just gonna be a really compelling case for him if you want to make it. And like Giannis is gonna have one mm-hmm. too if they get the one seed. Like both of these guys are gonna have very, very, very compelling cases. And like I I th- that is the fun part of this. As much as like there's mm-hmm. been some really insane stuff. I think I have to push back. There's no fun part of it. No one every we've all decided it's actually the worst thing to, to talk I, about. The, Apparently the we decided it cannot be fun anymore. Well, I, I have personally decided just to like focus on the basketball and that <laughs> stuff. It's really fun. And it I'm just going to be like fun. I'm just going to be like, man, like I, like so I was uh, when I saw what MB did, I was watching Cavs heat at a at a buddy's place uh, and and taking some notes on that game. But I flipped on the end of that game when there's a little bit of a break. And yeah. I was like, okay, let's just watch it. Let's see what Embiid does. And whew, that guy, did I, you, I, he's unguardable. Did you see the shot that they made in the, in the left corner before that, though? I mean, like, I did. I, that, first I, game, I, I was first, the same as you. I watched, like, the last five minutes, and that's it. So I'm not going to pretend like I saw the game. But sure. uh, holy crap. The, it's just one of those games where you're like, league's pretty talented. Dame, Dame's, Dame's <laughs> should be going on here. I, I, I'm getting pretty close to having Dame first team all NBA in ink. Yeah, well, we're going to get to All-NBA in a second with the Kings. I, I, to finish on uh, the clutch stuff, so I will counter your Embiid moments thing, which I don't disagree does factor in and does have an impact for sure. I'm not even I'm not even negating that, but I think something that's gone under the radar with Jokic's case is I believe Denver as a team is still the best clutch team in the league. Jokic's fourth in clutch assists, second fewest clutch turnovers, best field goal percentage among the top 20 clutch scorers. And so... I think he it's I think that is maybe one of the places where his lack of flash and sort of like doing the the cocky uh, walk away interview on national TV after a big clutch win kind of does come back to burn him because we just don't remember those moments. I mean, he had one uh, against I think it was Memphis last weekend and he, he has had them, but you just kind of it doesn't really stick out um, the same way. I think to make Embiid's case, and then we can do real or fake on this, Chris, I think Embiid has to continue to lead the league in scoring like he is now, maybe even increase that uh, that lead as the number one scorer because Doncic is, is now out. And Philly having a better record than Denver. Plus, they play on March 27th, which somehow is not on national TV. I, Flex I do it. not understand why. Flex yeah. it. Well, I think it's because it's a Monday, and a lot of those don't care. No, don't you gotta, you, national TV you gotta, on Monday doesn't you, happen. You, that that's wrong. You gotta like you gotta fix that. 
that, that's just I agree. Wrong. Let let uh, let Amazon or Apple get in the 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 battle with the <laughs> the TV rights. Just Jeff put it on Jeff there. Bezos. Jeff Bezos write like a five million dollar check just for yeah. this one game and throw. You it want on a Prime. trial let's run go. when you want our our rights in two years? Yeah. How, here's one game. Make make it work in two weeks. Um, but yeah, yeah. So if Embiid can play again in that play well again in that game and Philly can win it, I think that would go a long way. If all those kind of boxes get checked, I think maybe December uh, March twenty eighth could be having. A little bit of a different discussion. Um, I think that could be how things swing if, if Philly has a better record by then and all that stuff happens. Um, but let me tell you, let me just give it to you right here. On, on March 13th or on March 12th is Embiid going to win MVP, real or fake? Will he is harder than could he? Well, of mind. course he could. We knew that at the beginning of the season, right? I think I would favor Giannis right now. Hmm. Giannis who's out. But it's like that that's fair. And Giannis is only Giannis has played fifty-two games and Bede's played fifty-three. So like there's not a big difference there. Tatum quietly not in the race, but just played sixty-three more than any of these guys. Yeah. Um him and him and Mitchell are kinda and, and Shea are kinda like the, the and Luca actually fifty seven. Um I I would go Giannis right now, but like do I feel like I like am like super confident in that? Absolutely not. Bucks are going to have the best record of all these guys, probably, and so that'll yeah. that'll go there. I think Embiid will not win. I think Jokic will win, um, and I'm still I'm still there. But ask me in two weeks after all those little checkpoints that I mentioned, maybe we'll have a different discussion. We will be you know, recording uh, the day yeah. after that game. So you know, I I will say that there are a lot. Sometimes when players talk about this, it feels like players like think it's like not it shouldn't be as overwhelmingly Jokic, and I find that sort of notable in the way that like the straw poll was that we saw from Tim Bontemps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's one where players, unfortunately, do not get a vote. Yeah. But former players Fair. do, right? So mm. uh, a lot of the TV broadcasters and, and, and people like that are, are former players, and they do get a vote. So, so let's, not go, let's, 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 let's not go down uh, with what their things have been lately, Brendan. Let's, let's talk about sure. the Sacramento Kings. Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. We have plenty of time here to, to stretch out and, and, and enjoy the Sacramento Kings, who... I want to remind you, Chris, we've been talking about this team and it feels like a switch flipped for you recently. So tell me what happened or why you went from sort of like just doing this is really great to like, okay, they can beat the Mavs like you just said. I just have come to really buy um, what Darren Fox is doing. I think more than anything else, I think that offense with him at the helm and just how clutch he has been and just how they're handling a bunch of different things, I think has been highly, highly, highly impressive. They have just kind of been overwhelming on that end of the floor. And I think there's also just something about the way they're going about the, they've gone about it from the beginning that I've really come to really, really appreciate. So Mike Brown, shouts to Mike Brown, man, like has been around a long time. Coach of the year. I, I think he, to me, if I had a vote, this is going to be one of my things. I think he has to be at least a finalist for coach of the year. I think it's like him and Malone and like, like, you know, maybe it's like Bickerstaff. Maybe it's like, Missoula, like you know, like whomever, like I think those are kind of the guys that would have to be in that race. He he, second Kings coach ever to win forty plus games in a season. Mike Brown, think about that for a second. Since nineteen eighty five, Rick Adelman is the only other coach that has coached the Kings. That is, that has won 40. There's that so is many so Kings sick. stats where it's yeah. like it's it sounds positive and then really it's sad. That's <laughs> it's just sad. But like he's come in, he's won forty plus games, and it's like the kind of team I don't think he totally. Um, 
had, would have envisioned for himself, right? This is like an offensive or like juggernaut of a team that mm-hmm. doesn't isn't good on defense, and I think that's their big Achilles heel. We'll see what that looks like in the playoffs. But like, he has gone about it the right way. The Chris Haynes had a story on the Kings this week where he had a quote that I, I just love. And then here it is. Quote, if you want to win and sustain winning, you have to dig deeper. It's not just about training guys. It's about attacking the culture. There's a blueprint of three principles I wholeheartedly believe in, and I've asked the organization to buy in and into those concepts prior to taking the job. The story, the story which you can go find very easily, like outlines these principles, some of the stuff he's done there. What are I they? think like Brendan in an era What are of, the three principles? There was like a accountability contract for your roles. Um, that, that was the big one. I'm not going to, I don't want to, like my brain's fried, Brendan. Don't put me on the spot like this. The, well, you're talking about the principles he okay, asked everybody to buy into. I want to know what I'm, they are because I actually, pl- I did read that story, but I, I missed it. I'll give you okay. my king's take for a second while you look. Yeah, me, I think, yeah, while well, I pull this up. Watching them in person last night, which I did uh, Saturday night against the Suns, and two weeks ago prior to that, they were the team the, the Suns played heading into the deadline uh, or uh, into the All Star break, I mean. Uh, they, the thing that I think from, uh, that maybe doesn't get talked about enough. Cause we can dive in on the offense in a second and, and the coaching, which you're, you're looking at. I think the, the part that comes across to me seeing them in person that I can maybe speak to a little bit better than others would be the physicality that they have. That's kind of sneaks up on you. And you wouldn't associate that with the team that, I mean, it's not even like picking nits. They've been pretty just bad on defense overall this season. Like they're, they've been top 10 or bottom 10 all year. It's not even like rude to say they're just not very good on defense, but they have this physicality. Monk's an insane athlete that, that just doesn't, I don't, I think we just think of him shooter, but he is, he has hops. He can really, you know, create pressure on the rim. And when he chooses to Herder running off the ball, he is going to push you. He's going to shove you. He's going to, bump you and whatever if it means he's going to get open we know fox and sabonis are are filthy just forces of nature in in their own unique ways and they have these other guys barnes and murray they're pretty big and strong for their position even if they're not athletes uh you know explosive and then guys like kessler edwards avion mitchell these specialists that they can put out there can really make a difference in a game too even if they're not complete players and so I think when you add all that up, that's kind of the through line that I see with the roster is like they're just they really just play hard and they make you feel them, even if they're not going to block your shot and lock you down and do all that stuff. Okay, here are the principles. Number one, vertical and horizontal alignment between all units of the organization. Brown himself makes himself available to all sectors of the team for brainstorming. Okay, I think that's good. Segment two, establish principles and values that uphold the team as well. That uphold as well as the team that everyone upholds, and then mm-hmm. um, through a signed a signed contract by each player, each member of the coaching staff, and owner Vivek Grandiviv pledging to fully commit yourself to individually assigned to individual assigned roles. You're getting buy-in, and it's like asking guys to show up and do the work, even if they're not fully happy with with the role they're in. And like, I think everything we're hitting on, Brendan, is like I think there is something here in an era of superstars moving. And dysfunction and players being unhappy and, and trades being like the way that teams like rebuild things. They don't like, like, okay, look at the Houston Rockets, for example. Let's just bury the Rockets again for a second, okay? What are the Houston Rockets reportedly trying to do to fix their situation? They're trying to get James Harden back. Yeah. What, what, did they, what have the Kings done after a, a long time of, of insanity trying to, do, did, did to rebuild themselves? They looked themselves mm-hmm. in the mirror. 
they made trades to get better players and they got a coach who set a culture and is like and is putting in the work. And I'm sure there's more stuff behind the yeah. scenes, like all this stuff. But like they put in the work that they can control. They aren't just trying to like put up get get James Harden back or like get a player, a really good player and and then solve everything. Like mm-hmm. they they are not also not the only team that has done this that is, I think, really preach culture, especially small market teams the last couple of years. I think Milwaukee sure. is like maybe the best example of this. But this is the team you would have never thought would have done this and have been the team that is the best yeah. example of this. I mean, I saw uh, it reminds me of the turnaround that the Suns had. You know, they were yeah. not in nearly as big of a hole as the Kings have been from a playoff drought standpoint. But it was 10 years. I mean, it was about eight or nine when the when the new brain trust started to come in. But really what it took with James Jones and Monty Williams coming to Phoenix was. I'm a desirable commodity in this league. I do not have to be here. I want to be here. I can work well with the pieces that are in place, namely Devin Booker, uh, but also DeAndre and Mikhail Bridges, the talent that was there. And if I'm going to help you turn this around and choose to come here over the places, if you remember, Monty Williams had an offer in place by the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James on his team, and he chose the Suns. I think Mike Brown is probably coming at it maybe less of a, I have all these other offers, but more so a, I have seen chaos in Cleveland and Los Angeles. I'm not dealing with it anymore. We just saw Kenny Atkinson, right? Look at the Charlotte Hornets job and say, no, being a Warriors assistant is better. Mike Brown had that to fall back on and said, yeah, if I'm coming to Sacramento, yeah, if I'm coming to Sacramento and I'm sure Monty McNair, I mean, he's not the most like well-known guy, but he was a Maury guy. He comes from a very well-established pipeline of GMs in the NBA. And I'm sure they both looked at it and said, Vivek, we can turn this around. Here's how. But the nonsense needs to stop. And notice whose names you have not heard this year. Joe Dumars, Vlade Divac, right? All these people who were like these shadow executives running this thing are nowhere to be seen. And look, lo and behold, here they are winning again. I'm not trying to oversimplify and say it's just that, but I'm sure you're right that like these guys would not have been here if, if that buy-in was not there. You haven't heard a thing about playing five on four. <laughs> oh, nope. It, it, yeah. it helps, right? It's like, it, 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 it sometimes, from a cultural standpoint, I actually do think that it can be that simple. Simple, but not easy. But but it is just like, let everybody do their jobs and hire people. Stop like, thinking I, because you're rich, you know how to run a basketball team, right? I mean... And look, I think accountability accountability with players matters. It just does. It, I, you need a coach, even if you have superstars and superstars like run the team, I think you have to have a coach who the players respect and who the players respond to and, and the players can call out guys. Mike Brown, I think, like very clearly like has that respect from the Sacramento Kings. I think particularly Fox. There's an anecdote in this Haynes story about like this dinner they had and everyone's role was explained and like everyone wasn't happy with it, but all of the players signed it and he's about it. And like Mike Brown, like got the Aaron Fox's like respect. It seems like in somewhat from that dinner, that's a really, really big yeah. deal. That is a really, really big deal to have a coach who they responded to, who has really, who has really like got these guys to buy in, gotten Fox to buy in, gotten Sabonis to buy in, gotten like all the role guys they've had to come buy in. And, and for them to just be the way they are. And like also like I, the fan base, I'm very happy for this fan base. Like this fan base is awesome. This fan yeah. base getting to light the beam and be super excited about a team is cool. And like you would like to see other teams like learn from this, honestly. Like the league would be in a better place if more teams like acted like they were the Kings and, let, and less teams tried to solve everything by like big sweeping Rudy Gobert trades. Yeah, I mean, 
I saw you put that in the doc and like, to me, I don't want to forget they did trade for Sabonis one year yes. ago. Yes, right? but it's like, like that but it's like, things it's not, around but like, them. but like one thing, like you need to do both. You need to have like, this doesn't matter if De'Aaron Fox isn't awesome and, and Sabonis isn't awesome. And like Herder's been great for them and Monk's been great for them and like all this stuff, right? Yeah. None of yeah, that the matters. Trade was the smart, right? They swooped in right. and just did a value thing and that's really been a big difference. Right. So like all that stuff also matters, but I think like, like those things are also possible when you have all this other stuff and your organization is aligned and your organization is like doing things in an intelligent way. Like, yeah. like when you actually have an organization that is like on the same page and building something, I th- especially if you're not a glamour market that can just be like, Oh, in six months again, like we will like do this again, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, or mm-hmm. like you can't like, you have the stars you can like the Kings didn't have stars. They could do what the Nets are doing and like downgrade, but get like a lot of good players and a lot of good picks. They had to just like figure this out. And like they've yeah. done that, and that doesn't happen, I think, unless like you have the culture shift that seemingly mm-hmm. has existed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Can we talk about Fox? Because he's he's I where he's he's where we should like hit the crescendo on the Kings conversation. I think he I think deserves a ton of credit from the culture conversation to to transition out of that of being the guy who stayed. And I don't necessarily know if there were ever like real things on the table for him to leave, but I think there's even just something to be said for not ever forcing the hand. Right. I think he understood that this was a good situation for him. They chose to pay him. They even, I think by trading Halliburton, that kind of spoke to like a commitment and reaffirmation to putting the ball in his hands and having him be the head of the snake for this thing. And he has rewarded them handsomely for that. I think Again, another thing, seeing them last night that just the stats back it up, right? He's been basically the best clutch player in the NBA this year. He's probably going to win the new award that they just created, which if you had told anyone that at the beginning of the year, let alone how it all happened, we would have been, you know, on the floor wondering if the NBA blew up, right? You said you said light the beam is what people would have said to you. Yes, exactly. That's what they would have said. They need to have the beam actually linked to the button next year. Can we do that? Yeah, we gotta. You gotta keep upgrading the beam. You gotta just keep yeah. making it like. Uh, you gotta like. You gotta make a big it's deal like, out of the beam. It's like the perfect amount of of corny right now, but it needs to be like high tech, super dope next year. But anyway, with also, Fox. also if it's also if it's sponsored, I don't want anyone to tell me that it's sponsored. Like keep by like <laughs> no. keep like don't put a logo on top of it. Don't like just keep yeah, things get, sacred. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Fox, what what jumped out to me is. So they had jo- the Suns had Josh Kogi guarding him. He's basically their, you know, their only real like stopper on the perimeter at this point in time. Uh, they were running screens to get Fox a switch with Torrey Craig guarding him. And you would think, okay, that's kind of weird because he's a decent defender too. He's not really a great on, on ball defender. And that's kind of what they were doing. But what really it was is he just couldn't keep up with Fox. And the ability that Fox has to just select the guy he wants to target, get to get you know get like one step on that person go left to right crossover at the left nail and hit a mid-range shot over and over and over and over and you are not going to do a single thing about it like that is a level that just not a lot of players ever get to to be that unstoppable with the combination of what you're good at and what you're able to develop over the course of your career and I know that simplifies his game down to one little action, but that's a big part of why he's probably going to win that award and why they win so many of these close games despite not being able to stop anybody. He did stuff against the Knicks the other night too that was just like highly, highly impressive, just navigating space and, and getting off clean shots inside the paint. 
you know, in the last couple of minutes of the game, just making big shot after big shot after big shot. And like the two point thing for him is like the real improvement. He's like up at like 56 some percent on twos. It's like a pretty sizable jump from last year. And it's changed the way he can attack defenses. It has changed the way that he is able to work. And it's it's the the kickstart of the offense. And like they have all these shooters around him that I think is the right complement for him. Um, I love Sabonis as kind of like his like anchor in the middle of the paint that I think is really interesting. Like this team just makes sense around him in a way that like it maybe didn't before. And he's also taken this leap. It's Brendan, here's here's where I go with this with him. I was try I'm I've started like mocking up like who I would have all NBA at different positions. Guard is really competitive. Mm-hmm. This is how I would have the guard teams right now. As of today, March, March 12th is a recording. First team is Damon Luca. Second team is Donovan Mitchell and Shea Gilch Alexander. Third team, I have James Harden and, and De'Aaron Fox. I have Fox over Brunson and, and anyone else you want to put there. I, I have Fox on third team, and I think he's so, very, very well deserving. He is deserving. He absolutely should be in this mix. I think he is in this mix. There's a name you don't have on here, which I actually was going through this with Shea because I went on a big Twitter rant about Gilgis Alexander not playing this week, although he's back in the lineup. I'll, I'll shut up for yeah. now. Well, if, if he doesn't play enough, like the rest of the way, he absolutely can take him off, and I would, I would, not, feel like, I would not feel bad about it. That's so on, one that's of the on, things that... Yeah. So one of the things that came up with uh, games played was, yeah, Shea, uh, that was kind of the point of what I was making, but then I, I put Curry in the mix. And people told me he he won't have played enough. I believe he is on pace to play somewhere in the neighborhood of, I have it right here. He's going to play close to 60 games if he plays the rest of the of the games for them. That feels like enough to me, and I would have him first team over anyone because of, uh, if, if we agree that threshold is okay, and then that kind of gives you fewer and fewer slots to fill in from there, and that puts Fox even more on the the baseline or the the, the sword's edge. Yeah, I, I don't think that's wrong. I, th- I think right now I just want to see if he finishes there playing enough games. And like, I just also Fair. wanted to like kind of in my mind, like reward these guys that have played so much mm-hmm. and like just have like, like Dame, like, on, and honestly, I would put Dame on first team over Luca. I think honestly, I know like the Mavs have won a couple more games and, and stuff, but like Damian Lillard's having a fucking great season. He is. Yeah. He, uh, he, he, I'm glad Zach Lowe kind of like put everybody's attention on it. Yeah. But especially when you consider how they haven't had Simons a lot of the season, or at least recently, I don't want to say a lot of the season, but recently they traded away like Hart and some of these more reliable pieces in order to get younger and he's still doing it. Um, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, wait, but I, I think can, Fox I, is I, in Since here. I gave my, I gave my teams, who would your, who would your three teams be? As if you have Steph yeah. on there, who's your three? So I think Steph and Luca in the first team. I think Mitchell and Lillard in the second team. And then I think probably Shea is a lock for the third team. And then I'm TBD on on the, the final spot. I'm honestly not locked in on Shea either for some of the health stuff we talked about. But also, you know, it, at a certain point, if they don't keep winning, you got to just dock him for that, I think. And not being on as good of a team. And so, but Harden, I think Drew Holiday is probably in this mix. I think some people might vote for Booker. I don't think he'll get in, but he's kind of going to be in that same range as Curry from a a games played standpoint. And he's Mm -hmm. probably having his best season. So, but I I think my, my one and two are Curry, Luca, Dame Mitchell. That that's kind of my first and second. And I don't think I'm going to move off of that. No, but it's a massive, massive testament to Fox that he's in this conversation. He's been incredible. Yeah. He's been the best player in that team. 
he's a large part of why they are where they are. So he he mm-hmm. like if he's not like on your at the very least on your list, I think you're you're doing this exercise incorrectly. And I and I think for to 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 maybe just hit on Sabonis for a second, I think I you have he has to be in your consideration for third team all third team all NBA as well. I don't know. I, this third team center, I feel like a little less. It's I, I don't really have as strong of a take as I do on the guards as of right now. But it's like maybe him and Bam are kind of the two guys I, w- yeah. I would look at there for that spot. I think so. I would. I, I think we talked about this last week when we were doing them as a dark horse, and I think I still lean Bam. I just think the level of difficulty is a little bit higher, but I also think Sabonis is on a better team, and I just said that that matters mm-hmm. to me. So... Um, but I think Adebayo being a two-way player, being a little bit more versatile overall, I would even say on both ends, frankly, um, yeah. makes... I always have just yeah. felt like Bam's a little underrated because the he always just plays so poorly in the regular season or, or they're just kind of <laughs> tread water. And so he just is like, well, he's on a not-great team and this and that. It's like, the dude is a killer. He just you know doesn't have the ideal lineup around him like Sabonis does, so... Yeah, very good. Very, very good. Having a very good season. But I think Sabonis is like in that. Because yeah. he, he's a big part of why this offense is what it is. You know, yeah. like it, it doesn't work unless you have this oh, no. this presence and the pain and, and the screening that he's doing. Like it just, no, it's a really big deal. And he just, he just, they just deserve some love. Like they, like if they get like Mike Brown should win coach of the year and like they should like getting this all NBA love. And then that leads us to, I think, Brendan, let's, because we're, we're running long. Real or not. I have one more question, actually, and okay, it can hit be me. fast. Hit me. Yeah. Because I do think that this is going to be a thing where they're not going to win the championship, right? I think that we're in agreement that they probably can do something in between that. We'll do that in the real or not real. But I think the natural question is kind of what do you do next from a roster standpoint? If I was just to tell you, pick a player, even if it's not like really gettable, but obviously don't tell me like Jason Tatum, but like some re- relatively gettable guy who would really kind of lock all this into place and escalate them, elevate them, fit well with what they already are, but take them to another level. Do you have somebody in mind that would be just that perfect final component to what this is? I could see Kuzma as like the, the younger version of like Harrison Barnes, I think making a ton of sense. I would have said like Lonzo, if Lonzo had healthy knees. See, I went more like unrealistic with mine and maybe that's just kind of silly, but just from like a, if I'm Monty McNair, like thinking about the draft, thinking about trades, thinking about in five years when we really, you know, want to say we're right in the middle or maybe two years when we want to say we're right in the middle of championship contention, what could we, what should we want? I thought of like Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, yeah. somebody who can space it and play defense. And uh, that's a one of a kind player. He's a unicorn, yeah. but that's the type of thing that I would be trying to complete the puzzle with. Maybe that's somebody in the draft. Maybe there's somebody that's not yet molded that is the next Jaron Jackson who we're not thinking of out in the NBA. But that's what I would kind of trying to be fi- try- be trying to find is three and D big type of thing. Not Miles Turner, <laughs> but somebody like that. <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, yeah, you need like it would have to be like a guy who's very comfortable perimeter, perim- being a perimeter, perimeter oriented player off yeah. of Sabonis, and that could also maybe play some five for you. Jaron Jackson Jr. would be yeah. great. It's just like that's they're like, not going like, to get him, not, but somebody no, like that, right? No, um, that's where I went. Like I, I wonder like what the right if you could find like a another wing type or like a a bigger guard type to play with the Fox too. That would make some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, who, real actually, or not you know, real? Wait, well, oh, no, can yeah. I give you one more name? OG and Anobi, mm-hmm. I think would be all like. That one came to my mind too oh, when I was oh, thinking oh, through this. OG, yesterday. OG is like a like if it, like 
I don't know if this would satiate him in the way that like he seems to want to like be ascended into a bigger role. But like he would be a great guy. Like I think you could plug him in a bunch of scenarios and he would be awesome. But like mm-hmm. put him in a situation where he gets to set the defensive floor for a team and to set the defensive identity on top of doing offensive yeah. stuff. Yep. And he probably would kill it. And like him is like the the kind of connector piece between Sabonis and Fox, who defends I mean, the like thing the thing about best Sabonis is Sabonis is the connector piece, right? I think Ananobi would be the guy to take the second most shots a lot of nights if if he played on this team, right? And but like, he's like, but like the, the the defensive, like like it's like okay, you re, let's say like you keep him, maybe whatever happens with Harrison Barnes, we'll see. Keegan Murray keeps developing. You have all these other kind of interesting wings that you have to like pay and keep and stuff as you go, but like. That's the kind of guy that fits really well between like you have this more traditional five, you have a bunch of wings and you figure it out. Yeah, I think that's the other way to do the defense, right? One would be like get a a, a garbage man like Jaron Jackson who just makes up for the weaknesses or you go more a, a wing route and you try to say, okay, can we switch? Can we, you know, just try to play the game on our terms a little bit more and 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 run it that way. I think Murray's a really interesting guy who's going to keep getting better. I would not be in an, in a hurry to trade him. He's had a little bit of a of a bad second half. I think you want to see him maybe kind of get it together by playoff time and show some things, but I think he can be a part of their future. He's just big. Like I think that's the the thing that gets underrated about him is he's taller like he looks taller than Sabonis to me. I'm not sure he is, but he is a genuinely like he's 6'9, 6'10 legit and he's young. So uh, I think he he's a part of of whatever kind of next step they take. But uh, let's go with real or not real here. Can uh, will I'll do will will they win their first round series? Yes, real. Yeah, I think so too. I'm like I'm really the more that I've spent time thinking about them and watching them, I don't feel like I, you know Sacramento would be prob or I'm sorry the Clippers would probably be a bad matchup for them. I could see Dallas, you know, posing some problems if Luca is just apex version of himself. But even then, it it would really just be by a hair. I think the the home court and being the healthier, more coherent team, like they're absolutely right there. And considering those two matchups might not even happen, and it might be the Wolves or something, I think on the whole, I'm probably going to go yes as well. Be, being a being a top, a two seed for them, being the second seed in the West would be a huge huge boon for them in terms of mm-hmm. making a real run. Just huge. Yeah, I don't think them and Memphis play again either. And they, they have don't. The, they've played, they they've played, they've the played four times break. already. Yeah. Yeah, they've played four times already. Um Brennan, I'm gonna as a follow up to that, do they make the can they make the conference finals? Can they can they can they, they make can. a run to the West Finals? They absolutely can. And I think that's another place where the, the them keeping the Suns at four is really gonna help them because they don't have to play the Suns in the second round or maybe at all uh, in order to get to the conference finals uh, in that case. So yes. I mean, if you told me they played Minnesota and then Memphis, I think they could easily get through those two teams. Not easily, but I could see it easily happening. You know, it won't be an easy matchup. It won't be an easy series, but I, it wouldn't be hard for me to piece together the, the script that happens for them to do that. They're a good team. They have a legit identity and they can really outscore anybody. No, I I think that's dead on. They have the identity. They have possibly favorable matchups. Like if this glut of teams in the center of the West stays where it is, and that gives them, you know, some some wiggle room on who they can play, and they get like you know they get Minnesota in round one, or they get one of these beatable teams around, or even if they get Dallas in round one, like I I think they're in a good spot. And then if you're getting into okay, the two seed gets the three seed, like I I 
I feel pretty good. If they get Memphis in round two, like I would feel pretty good about their chances of beating Memphis. And that's just the bracket breaking correctly for them. But sometimes that happens. And sometimes you, you can take advantage of it and have the success. But it's like absolutely in the cards. Like they, they, they will have the vibes, the momentum, the yeah. energy. Like that home court thing for them in the playoffs is going to be incredible. I can't wait to see it. And it's the kind of thing where it feels oh, like this could be a team where if everything rides correctly, if things break correctly, they get the right matchups and stuff on top of them being really good because they are really good. Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals doesn't feel unrealistic to me. Yeah, I think I think you're going to feel that too this year. The uh, the reawakened home crowd. Just that that factor is real, like the team who gets it again after a long time and, and having a whole regular season to kind of fall in love with the team again and then you know, that first couple home playoff games, especially if you have home court advantage and it's, you know, the the very first two games that they play are at home, like that's that's legit. Uh, it really does. You feel it. So I, I think that is that is not nothing. Um, all right. We we predicted we know everything that's going to happen in the West. How does it feel? We got it all yeah, down pat. We, we, and yeah, we got it's the script ahead according of- to script. Yeah. There we go. Feels good. I, so I, I can't take it to the West bank. Pl- Look, West playoffs are going to be banging. They're going to be awesome. Yeah. East playoffs are going to be good, but I think the first round, the difference between the two conferences right now is I think the West is going to be great from the get-go, and the East might take a round to, like, to really get to what we want to see. Yeah, but the second round in the East and the third is going to be... Yeah. The, the, the crazy thing about the East is it's going to send a lot of people home upset. There's a lot more stakes, <laughs> I think, in the East, whereas yes. the West, it's just a lot of kind of teams still in the first run of whatever they're trying to do but like but like but like but like think about king's mavs would be like you know there's some interestingness with like the vlade luca thing historically like there's the kings getting back in the place there's the Kyrie. is Kyrie gonna resign yeah exactly yeah like there's there's some meat on those bones that i that i would like to to get to to see how it goes absolutely we are about three weeks away from all of that play-in fun getting us started in the western conference and eastern conference playoffs marching toward the best part of the basketball calendar. Uh, But that'll wrap us up, guys. Today, we are back later this week. Hit subscribe or follow wherever you found the show. We're on social media, wherever you live. We are right there with you. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. A big thank you to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for producing, and we'll talk to you all next time.